0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hi everyone, and welcome to TNT Hillem. Today's class is sponsored for Rufo Shalema for Altar Yeshaya ben Malkachaya, and for Shaduchim, for Yehoshua ben Liba, Yehuda Gershon ben Liba, and Bracha Rina Bas Liba. Anybody who's interested in sponsoring a class, anybody, any of my WhatsApp followers or Torah Anytime listeners, you could all have a part in this class and sponsor a class for someone that you love by going to my website, yalbertram.com, and contacting me over there. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you, I and I love connecting with all of you listeners. So, Parakuf Chafdalet is on our agenda today, Chapter hundred and twenty-four and I'm so excited to teach you this parec it's a beautiful parec and I'm especially excited because the tool that I'm teaching you today is really precious to me it's a precious process it's one of my favorite tools in my box that I pull out and use with great success so on myself and on clients and on anyone that I meet I just I love this process I share it with people it's a great idea and I'm happy to have this to share it with all of you today. So let's look at Parak Rav David here in this parak as an overview. David is praising Hashem for saving us, all, for saving us and getting us through the exiles, the gullios that we've been through, and getting us, you know, out of them in a state of being still in existence. And he says that really it's against all odds that we survived all of it because all of our enemies were all too eager to destroy us. And David uses metaphors to describe the things that could have happened to us. He uses metaphors to describe the enemy and how they could have overwhelmed us. And we're going to see these three metaphors that he brings here. And he says that if not for Hashem's mercy and if not for all of the schosim that we had in being worthy of Hashem's mercy and being worthy of the protection you know, we who knows where we would be today. So It's interesting to note that he brings three metaphors to talk about the danger that we were in in the exile. And he also brings three zchusim, three merits, three good things about Kal that helped us to merit the protection that we were given through all the danger. And when I look at this parak, and I look at all the worthy parts of us that David is bringing to light, I feel encouraged to really double down on my mission of making sure that we know our worth and we know why as individuals, why we're worthy of amazing things. He talks about our worth as a nation and why we're worthy and I want to double down on really encouraging all of us to explore our own worth as individuals. And I'm excited to do it, not just with my clients, but now to have the opportunity to do it with all of you, to teach you a way of getting in touch with the reasons why you're worthy of having all the amazing things that you have in your life. So, you know, the problem is that we learned from preschool, from when we were very little, We learned to focus on being humble, and the way we learned about humility, the way we learned about not being a Balgaiva, was that we learned to downplay ourselves, like take away from who you are, downplay your positive attributes, but the problem with this is that it ends up pushing us too close to the side of undervaluing ourselves and selling ourselves short. When we're not in touch with our true magnificence and with our unbelievable capabilities, then we sell ourselves short. We don't accomplish what we can in our lives. And we don't really, we're not able to do what we're put here to do. We're not able to fulfill our potential. So the truth is that humility is not about dumbing ourselves down. It's, you know, we have to be able to, humility is really being totally in touch with our full magnificence, knowing full well how capable we are and what our potential is. And at the same time, to really be able to frame that and put it in the right perspective and see all of those gifts that we have as coming from Hashem and to feel full of gratitude and awe for the things that we're capable of doing and accomplishing in our life. That is true humility. So in my work, I do a lot of work with people who are looking to get married and go on to the next stage of their life. And when I work with these singles, I focus on... One of the major focuses is on helping them feel worthy of getting, you know, we paint the picture of the man of their dreams, and then, and then we have to get them to feel worthy of actually being able to get that. And what we do is, we, the, way we ma- the way we make them feel worthy is we look at the negative beliefs that they're carrying about themselves, the reasons why they're, they're not feeling worthy, and then we, we take each one of those beliefs about themselves and we turn them around. And we basically bring evidence to prove that they're wrong, and that really the opposite is true, and that they have so much to offer. So in this parak, first we're going to read in the parak about the S'chosim as a nation that we carry, and then I'm going to teach you what I give these singles to do for homework, what I give these women to do, because really it applies to all of us in every area of our life. I'm going to tell you the homework that I give them, and that homework is going to help you discover the the full beauty of who you are individually, and it's going to empower you to really reach for the stars in your life and to live out your highest potential. So let's look at Pasuk Aleph, Shir Hamalos leDavid, Lule Hashem Lanu. So we're saying Lule means were it not, were it not for Hashem who was there for us. We're talking about all of our troubles and our enemies in the Golas. We're saying were it not for you, Hashem, who was there for us. Who knows where we would be, right? Lule, Hashem. We're saying, if not for you showing up with your attribute of Hashem, which is the attribute of mercy, with your name of Hashem, which signifies the attribute of mercy, then who knows where we would be? And then we say in Pasuk Beis, Lule Hashem Shehayel Again, we repeat, were it not for you who were there for us when people came to fight us. Now, the two Luleis here correspond, one to the physical threat of the Galas, and the other one is to the spiritual threat of the Gallas of losing our identity as Jews. Pasav Gimel. Azai chayim bala'unu They would have swallowed us up alive in their burning rage against us. So we're saying here, if not for you, Hashem, these things would have happened to us. Azai means us, then. These are the consequences that would have happened if not for Hashem coming and showing up for us with His attribute of mercy. And we have three Azais, Azai Chayim unu, and then the next two Psukim also start with the word Azai. So we're going to explore the significance of these three Azais here. Now here in our first pasuk of Azai, in pasuk Gimel, we're going to see our first metaphor that David is painting this picture of Azai Chayim unu. We would have been swallowed up alive. He's comparing the enemy here to like a mouth that's going to swallow us up. And Radak explains that just as a starving man devours his food before it's even cooked, the enemies that were coming to fight us were so eager to destroy us that they would have seized the opportunity to completely destroy us without even making any preparations. Pasuk Dalet, azai hamayim shetafunu... The enemies here are compared to water. If Hashem wouldn't have been there for us with his attribute of mercy, then the waters would have flooded us. They would have carried us away. They would have swept us over. And there's a reason why specifically the metaphor of water is being used here. Here we're going to bring the first merit. We're going to show that David is alluding to the first, there's three merits that he alludes to in this parak, and this is the first one. How is water, the metaphor of our enemies being compared to water, alluding to a schus, to a merit for Klal Yisrael? And the answer is that if you look in Shir Hashirim, you see that it says, "Mayim rabim lo All the water, you know, tons of water could not extinguish. As Ha'ava, our love for Hashem. And so, the water metaphor here is taking us to that attribute that we have. That love for Hashem. And it's comparing, the Pasuk is comparing water to our enemies. To remind us and to show us that our love for Hashem cannot be washed away by any enemy, by any tzara. Through it all, we always hold on to our love for Hashem. And that's the s'chus. That gets us through the gullus, Pasuk Azai avar al nafshenu hamayam ezeidonim. All of the water would have, the angry waters would have swept over us. So here we have another Azai. So this is the third Azai. Azai, like we said, is us. Then, if Hashem wouldn't have saved us, and if we wouldn't have had the schusen that we had, then we would have gotten swallowed alive. Then we would have had all the waters, you know, flooding and, and destroying us. And here's the third azai. So what's the significance of the three times that it says this word azai? So the gematria of the word azay is 18. And there's three of them. So 18 times 3 is 54. And 54 is the same number of brachos in Shmona Esrei that we say every day. There's 18 brachos in Shmona Esrei times 3 because we say it three times a day, and that's, that's 54. So we're saying here that Yes, Hashem had mercy on us, but another major factor in why we were able to a, a major factor in why we were able to bring out that trait of mercy in Hashem is because of all the tfilos that we daven. So we're saying here, you know, in Pasuk Dalid that we have the schos of the love that we have for Hashem, and here we're emphasizing the schos of the fact that we're constantly maintaining that love and maintaining our connection with Hashem by davening three times a day. Pasuk Vav, Baruch Hashem, Shalom Teref Lishinehem. Blessed is Hashem who did not let us be ripped apart by their teeth. Here we're going back to the metaphor of the mouth, of being swallowed and chewed up by the Goyim, by the nations who were looking to destroy us. Now hidden in this Pasuk is another schos, another merit that's being shown about the Jews. The merit is that We're thanking Hashem for not letting us be ripped apart by their teeth. How do we combat being ripped apart by the enemy's teeth? Through the merit of our own teeth. What does this mean? If you look at the word shane, tooth, shane is the root of the word shinoi, change, transformation. Just like teeth, what's the connection between teeth, shane, and transformation? The connection is that just like teeth, their job is to chew up food and break it apart into little pieces and change it and and alter it so that it's able to be digested. So too, when we work on ourselves and when we try to transform who we are, what we're doing is we're breaking apart the different parts of our character and we're transforming and changing ourselves and changing those parts of us that need work. So there's a connection here between Shane and Shinoi. So we're saying here that thank you Hashem for, that, for us not being ripped apart by their teeth. And we're also saying the reason why we're Zocha to not be ripped apart by the enemy's teeth is because of our personal Shinoi of the transformation that we're constantly going through as we constantly seek self-improvement and growth in our lives. So there's three schosim that we spoke about here. We said the mayim, the metaphor of the water, which is referring to, which is alluding to the love that we have for Hashem that can't be extinguished, even with all the enemies, all the water in the world. We spoke about the 54 brachos that we say in Shemona Esrei every day. That is the s'chos of our constant connection and our tefillah. And the third thing that we just said was the teeth, the Sefer Ha'arachim explains that the Shein and the Shinoi is connected, and our transformation and our constant growth and involvement as people is what combats the teeth of the enemy. Okay. Pasuk Zion, So here is the third metaphor. We're being compared to a Tzipar, to a bird. We are, we are we are vulnerable and easily injured like birds and we birds fly into the trap very easily and yet hashem breaks HaPach Nishbar, hashem breaks the trap and we're able to escape so hashem saved us and took us out of these situations where we were headed for certain destruction now another explanation for this that I saw is that the bird is compared to our neshama, to our soul. And the trap, what traps the soul and what blocks the soul from us being able to have access to it are our worrisome thoughts and our anxieties and our fears. And so we're saying here, and on a deeper level, we're saying that in our lives, what happens is our souls, our little birds, get stuck. Because we we don't have access to the messages of our soul. The messages of our higher self get blocked by all of our worries and all of our fears. So this could be true in so many different situations. From speaking up, you know, when it comes to speaking up for ourselves or setting boundaries or saying no. A lot of times we neglect to do those things because of fears that get in our way. So our neshama is like, it's almost like it's in a trap. It's being trapped. We can't really do what our true selves want us to do. We can't really live our truths. We can't really follow the instructions of our higher selves because we're blocked by fears and we let those fears get in our way. You know, what if I set my boundary and people think I'm mean? What if people think I'm obnoxious? What if I hurt somebody's feelings? What if I'm looked at as not nice? What if I become a mean person, right? We have all these fears around setting boundaries or even something as small as giving our, you know, being in the restaurant and getting cold soup and being able to, some some people who could just never say, um, sir, do you mind please warming up this soup? It's cold. Like so many of us have a hard time, even in small areas like that, where, you know, have you ever been in a restaurant with someone who, has a hard time giving back their dish, even though it's clearly defective, but they have such a hard time doing it, and what's getting in their way, right? There's so many fears that stop us from doing even small things like that. So, just to give you an example of how we could break this fear... And we could break the trap, hapach neshvar, break the trap. Hashem gives us this ability. We're praising Hashem for the ability to break through our fears, and to have our neshama escape intact so that we can actually hear its messages and live by our deepest truths. We have this ability, and, and but we, in order to have the ability, we have to seek answers. We have to seek tools. We have to seek ways and methods of getting us out of the fear. And I'll give you a very common one that people use that I use very often. And here's an example to illustrate the tool. So let's say somebody is scared to ask someone for a ride. Let's say I'm talking to someone and they'll tell me, you know, I want to ride to the wedding. I don't have a car, but I'm scared. I don't want to I have no one to ask. And I'll say, okay, why can't you ask this person? And they'll say, because I'm scared. What if they don't really want to? They probably don't really want to take me. And then and then I'm going to ask them and they're going to feel obligated and then, and they're going to take me anyways. So then what we would do is we would do a process called follow the fear. And I would say, okay, so what happens if you're in the car and you see that they really didn't want to take you, that they're doing you a big favor? And they'll say, well, then I'm going to sense it. I'm going to sense it in the air. And then I'm going to say, okay, what happens when you sense it in the air? And I'll say, well, I'm going to feel really dumb. I'm going to feel like, why couldn't I just figure out another way? Like, I'm going to feel ashamed that I had to come on to them and and use them. And they weren't even happy doing the favor for me. And then I would say, okay, so what happens when you feel dumb? Like, what happens when you're feeling that, that ichi feeling of, like, I had to come on to someone who doesn't really want to help me? And what would you do? And they would say, well, I would probably, you know, feel gross for a few minutes when I get to the wedding I wouldn't feel good about myself but then I would you know end up seeing friends and I would forget about it and on the way home I'll figure out another way to go home I'll take an uber or I'll get a ride with somebody else and and then and then that would be the end of it and because they explored all of the different things that might happen all those things that they were so scared to even look at because they allowed themselves to explore it and go to the worst case scenario then they start to realize well you know what? It's not really that bad. Another example would be someone who's afraid to date a guy because I'm not good enough for him anyways, and he's not going to like me. So I would say, okay, so what happens? Let's say you go out with that guy who's who you deem to be too good enough for you. Um, what happens when you go out with him and you're feeling, you know, you're feeling nervous and let, let's, let's walk you through that process. So she'll say, well, if I date him, then um, he's going to say no to me. And I'll say, okay, so what happens if he says no? And she'll say, Well, then I'm going to feel really bad about myself. And then I'll say, Okay, well, so what happens when you don't feel good about yourself? Then I get depressed, and I can't get out of bed in the morning, and my whole day is lazy, and I'm sad. And then I say, okay, so what happens when you go through a few days like this, that you're lazy and sad and, and down and your energy is low? And she'll say, well, at that point, I'll probably call up my therapist and get some help with my self-esteem. And it's like, okay, you know, so if that's the worst case scenario, do you think you could maybe say yes to going out with this guy, even though he might not say yes to you? And that will give her the strength, hopefully, to be like, you know what? Yeah, I guess so. Why not, right? So best at best, we'll find that conquering our fears Um, That, you know, that following our fears will lead to great places like calling a therapist or calling an Uber. Um, Or at worst, like sometimes it really could lead to scary places. Sometimes it's not so fortunate that you end off with a good ending like the ones we had. Um, But even if it ends off in a difficult place, just by facing it, just by exploring it and following the fear and Facing your deepest fears, very often it becomes less scary because, you know, when we we avoid it and we don't let our brain go there, the threat becomes even more frightening. But if we're looking at it and facing it, then it becomes less scary and then we could actually break our soul out of the trap of fear and act from our higher self and do what we truly really want to do. And when we do this, as Renu B'Shem Hashem is the last Pasuk in this parak. when we do this, when we're able to connect with our higher self, to connect with that Chelek Eloka mal, with that godly part of us that knows what we're meant to be doing, that knows all the best things to do, then, as Renu B'Shem Hashem, that, that part of Hashem, that Selam Elo listening to it and following its guidance is as Reenu is our help, is what allows us to live authentic lives that are not governed and ruled by our fears and our anxieties, and that ele- and 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 we're led to, you know, we're we come into a situation where now we're living in the light, we're living by our truths, and we're no longer handcuffed and limited and handicapped. So to summarize, we had three metaphors here in this parak to describe the enemies of the exiles. The metaphor of the mouth that was swallowing us up. The metaphor of the water that was overwhelming us and flooding us. And the metaphor of the bird in the trap. And these are the metaphors that described all the negative things that we could have experienced... But the reason that we were Zoha to come out of it, to come out of these exiles and to still be in existence, were because of the three schosim that made us worthy of remaining intact. And those schosim we said, were, was our love for Hashem and our davening, the 54 brachos of Esrei the three Azais and the personal transformation that we're constantly seeking, the spiritual growth and character refinement that we're doing with the shinoi, the transformation, which protects us from the shame from the tooth of the enemy. So there's a reason why David includes three major merits of Kali here in this peric for us to say and remind ourselves of over and over and over again. And the reason is that if we feel worthy in life, if we're feeling like we are worth getting the things that we want, then we will draw them in. It's the people who feel worthy of awesome things who end up getting them because that worth, that that feeling of being worthy, increases our trust that we'll be able to get those things that we want, and we're gonna get whatever we think we're worthy of getting. So we really need to explore our worth. And we need to feel it. We need to take it from our heads. A lot of us know the things that we're good at. And we know what we could do. But we don't really let it penetrate our hearts. So how can we get to this place where we're really feeling our worthiness. And we're seeing our true magnificence in all of its glory. Now like I said, we don't have to worry about getting overly inflated as long and and, and and egotistical, as long as we're keeping all these things in the right context. As, as long as we're seeing, you know, to the extent that I'm able to see how amazing and magnificent I am, is also the extent to which I feel grateful and in awe of what Hashem has given me to be able to accomplish and do and affect change in the world, right? It's the, the gratitude. That protects us and the recognition of where it all comes from, that's what protects us from going into the gaiva, to the haughty place. So we don't have to worry about really being able to see our true magnificence as long as we do it in the right way. So how do we do this? How do we really get in touch with our worth so that we could be on top of the world and accomplish all the things we were put here to do? The process that I'm going to give you is called asking lofty questions. So what does this mean? So there's four steps I'm gonna take you through. Now, I always divide things as much as I can into steps to make it easier and clearer for you to do. If the steps are making you feel overwhelmed because there's so many steps, ignore the steps and just listen to the concepts that I'm telling you and apply it to your life. So step one, step one is you take pick a belief about yourself. Ask yourself, what am I believing about myself? Why, let's say somebody's dating. And, and and they'll say, I don't feel worthy of getting these amazing, this amazing man that I painted a picture of. And I'll say, why? What are you believing about yourself that's holding you back from feeling worthy? So what are you believing about yourself that's holding you back from feeling worthy of anything in your life? So let's say, for example, let's take a person who feels unlovable. Could be any trait. You could say, I feel lazy. I feel like I'm dysfunctional. I feel like I'm um, a mess. What do you feel? What's? What's the feeling of not being worthy about? What's the belief there? So take a person who says, I feel unlovable. I am unlovable. And then I would tell them, okay, step two. Step two is, they're going to actually flip that around. What would you prefer to believe? That I am lovable. And I would say, when you wake up in the morning, you ask yourself the following question. And this is called a lofty question. Ask yourself the question, Why am I lovable? Now, obviously, if you're going through this process, you're not feeling lovable. We just established that in step one. So now, in step two, you're going to basically, what you're going to do is, you're going to recognize that until now, I woke up with a subconscious question in my mind. And that question was, why am I unlovable? And that's why you're constantly seeing things during the course of your day that are proving Your question that are answering your question, the question that you have is going to invite the answers that you're looking for. So instead of subconsciously asking yourself, Why am I unlovable? you're now going to consciously and deliberately say the words, Why am I so lovable? And what happens when you do that is your subconscious mind will now have a mission. You're basically putting it to work and you're telling it, Mind. Go through the day and find instances that prove to you that you are lovable. So you will then go through your day and you will start noticing things that give you the answer that you to the question that you asked. Why am I so lovable? It's pretty incredible, no? So you're putting your subconscious brain to go to work for you. You're putting it to work. Step three is that throughout the day, you're going to notice You're going to notice things that pop into your life, notice things that are happening. Even the tiniest, smallest things that could prove to you that you are lovable. If you get a small little compliment or something arrived for you in the mail or if your child gave you a hug or said something nice to you, anything. Um, Your husband did something nice for you. He brought you flowers for Shabbos. It could be the littlest, tiniest things even. When those things happen, reaffirm to yourself. You see, look, yes, I am lovable. This shows me why I am lovable. Reaffirm it to yourself throughout the day as you notice it. And as you notice it, you'll continue. More and more things will be brought into your life to prove your lovability to yourself. Step four is before bed at night. If you can, record even just one piece of evidence that you found that day. It could be one thing every night. Write down one thing that happened that proved to you that you are lovable, or that you are successful, or that you are capable, or whatever it is that you're having a hard time believing. Now, please believe me that this tool is the ultimate self-esteem booster. Now, I'm not asking you to please believe me without trying it. I want you to try it, and when you see what it does for you, you'll realize the truth of what I'm saying People ask me, like, you know, let's say they're, they're dating and I'll tell them, you know, we really need to work on you feeling worthy and picking up your self-esteem. And they'll be like, yeah, but that's not possible. That's like a lifetime of work. I'm never going to be able to do that in time for finding the right one. And I'll say, no, it's not. No, it's not a lifetime of work. It's a flick of a switch. And I give them this process to do and they're amazed at how quickly they can change the way they see themselves completely 180 degrees another example of this like we could use it for our children for parenting let's say your child is not doing well in school and they call themselves dumb every parent knows how heartbreaking it is to see your children not thinking highly of themselves and let's say i'm dumb and you're feeling so like powerless what am i supposed to do how do i get my child to feel Confident and smart and all the things that we want them to feel so you can teach them how to do this It's actually a fun process now. You have a way to actually teach them how to up their image of themselves So you would tell them Well, how would you prefer to feel how would you wish you could be in your in your you know? And if if, if it was an ideal world, what would you want to be and they'll say well? I want to be smart so you're gonna say well every morning you wake up in the morning and you ask yourself why am I smart? And throughout the day, you will every time you notice even the slightest thing that tells you that you're smart, if your teacher says "Wow, great answer or great question." Or if somebody comes and asks you, can I see your notes? Or any little thing that happens during the day, in school and not in school, at home, you know, you could be emotionally smart and you can go through all the different smarts that they could have and tell them, notice anything that, any little thing that makes you feel smart and remind yourself, you see, yes, I'm smart. And then before you go to bed at night, write down one thing that happened that day that showed you that you were smart. And imagine, imagine what this is going to do for the way your child views themselves, Imagine how amazing they're going to feel and how their whole life is going to shift from this new way of viewing who they are. So I would love, I would really love, this is one of, like I said, this is one of my favorite tools in my box and I would love to hear all of your successes. Please contact me, yalbertram.com, contact me through my website. With all of your successes or if anybody needs help, being walked through any of this, you know, this process in any area of their life. I would love to be able to help as best as I can. Like I said, I give 30-minute free sessions when I can, so contact me and I'll try to fit you in for one of those. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.